I pray for your wisdom, your strength, your ability to flow freely, O oh Lord. So this book reading be a blessing to somebody, whatever it is heard, O oh Lord. Let it be a blessing, encouragement, inspiration. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is how the Lord helped us build the education and office building. On March 1963, we dedicated to the Lord the church building located at 14579 East Pacific Avenue in Baldwin Park. For me and for the small congregation we had, it was a material miracle as we came to possess such church facilities. The revival that we experienced from then on brought people from different places, some Christians, some not. The building was full for all the services, especially for Sunday afternoons. There was a need to bring chairs into the aisles to accommodate the people coming. In 1964, to 67, I began to pray that God will give us a new building, but there was none to be seen. Later I began to look at Anglo churches in the area, but none was found. In early 1967, evangelist Francisco Anavalon, who had been a good friend of mine, moved back to Santiago, Chile, South America and he invited me to go with him to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, in July of that year, where the 8th World Pentecostal Conference convened. The church, motivated by Connie Robles, sponsored the trip to go to Brazil and also to visit Santiago, Chile, and other South American countries. About Two to three weeks before I left to South America, someone approached me after a Sunday morning service and told me about the new Baptist church building on Monterey Avenue being for sale. Armida and I and a few young people, including Gloria Millan and Adelisa Hernandez, joined us. When we arrived at the property, at about 1 p.m. No one was there. We saw the sanctuary that looked new, the adjacent house and the original church building in the rear, and all of us got excited at the possibility of buying it. Adelisa got so enthusiastic and said, the Lord is going to give it to us. Let's march around the church and claim it. We did. We marched and claim it in the name of the Lord. The next day I called the pastor, Reverend Bill Han, and asked him if it was true that they were trying to sell the church. He said yes. I told him who I was and what was our need. He told me the need they were having and how the burden of the payment was becoming too much for the church and that he didn't see any other way but to sell. 
I told him we were very interested and will meet with our church to share the news and begin planning. He too will meet with his leaders and the church to make the decision. In those days, I left for South America for a trip that will take a month. I was expecting that by the time I return from the trip, Reverend Han will have the decision from the church so that we will commence negotiations on the terms and conditions to acquire the building. But when I called him, he told me that they had changed their mind and will not sell the church anymore. I was very disappointed, to say the least, and I left it there. Time passed, and in December, between Christmas and New Year, Pastor Han called me to tell me that they were finding it very hard to keep the building and wanted to know if I was still interested in buying the church. I told him yes and began to plan to meet after the New Year's. The church didn't have any funds set aside for the purchase because we were making double payments or more to pay off the building. We concluded the negotiations, which resulted in the best for them and the best for us. The $35,000 church building we bought in 1963, five years later, was evaluated at $70,000. We gave the church to them free and clear. We continued to pay the balance we had for them and agreed to assume their debt, which amounted to about $120,000. Altogether, we paid about $145,000 for the entire property. The Baptist New Sanctuary alone had been built three years before for about $175,000. It was a joyful time when on December 16, 1968, five years to the date after the dedication of the first church building in 1963, we dedicated the new facilities that more than triple in size what we had. It was a big financial burden, we assume, but with faith in God and the dedication of people, we always were able to have what we needed when we needed. The place served us well, but the need arose from better office and education facilities. In subsequent years, as the congregation grew and the balance on the debt began to come down, we began to plan for expansion. We began in late 1977 to seriously look into the possibility of expanding by building office and education facilities. We began to raise money for that purpose, using different ways, from giving out money as a talento, to be turned in with whatever the talento had been able to become, to offerings and pledges. I estimated in 1978-79 
that we will need $500,000 to finish the entire project, and that became our goal. The first architect we attempted to hire to work on the plans and blueprints dropped the project in about a month, and I had to find another. In a few weeks, I found architect Manuel Mendes, who was a man of faith and accepted the challenge. By early 1982, he had the plans ready, and we had about $450,000. We had Louis Millan, who had experience as building construction supervisor and foreman, volunteer to help in seeing the project through. Now we needed a building contractor. John Montalvo was recommended to me, and we gave him the plans for a bit, but he never submitted the bit. I found out later that he was a good practicing Catholic and was not interested in accepting our offer to build a Christian church for us. After that, I was recommended a Christian contractor who had construction company in the San Fernando Valley area, and he gave us a bid. His bid was too high for us, and we couldn't commit. All this time, we were asking for an extension to take the permit out to start construction. We had spent close to $50,000 in prints and other city demands alone, and we had no contractor to take out the permit. In June 1983, the city of Baldwin Park gave us the less extension for six months, advising us that we will have to start all over if we didn't take the building permits out by November 8, 1983. In early September, I went with my family on a vacation to Yosemite National Park with this burden in my heart and mind. What was I going to do? We need to reach our goal for building and we desperately needed a building contractor to help us out, to get the building permits out of the city hall and not to lose what we already had paid. While on vacation, the first time I had the opportunity, I went walking by myself on a lonely trail, praying and meditating and stopping to read a book by Paul Jungi Cho. My prayer was, Lord, what am I going to do? Give me a building contractor. As I was walking and praying for over an hour, the Lord put in my heart the name of John Montalvo. But I said, Lord, he does not want to help us. He has not even give us a bit. Again, I heard in my spirit, when you get back, call Louis Millan and tell him to arrange a meeting with John Montalvo. At the same moment, a peace flooded my soul and an assurance that everything was going to be all right. It was early afternoon, 
in the west side of the park when the burden was lifted from me and I enjoyed the rest of my vacation with my family. When I returned home, the first thing that I did was to call Louis Millan and told him that I needed to see and talk to John Montalvo because I felt he was a person indicated to help us out with the building project. He said, yes, I know, but give me a week or two before I talk to him about this, because God is dealing with him, and I think he will be ready very soon. Louis asked me to pray for him. When Louis told me that he was bringing John Montalvo to church so that I could talk to him and that God had saved him, I was overjoyed. I greeted John. He was so respectful to me, addressing me in the Catholic vocabulary. He had been raised and referring to me with respect, Father Flores. He then told me that he will accept to do the job. I told him the deadline that we had, which was about six weeks, and he said that it was okay. During that same week, he told me that he was not licensed to start a project like ours because he was mainly in a framing contractor company, but to pray for a brother he had who was a general contractor and able to do these types of projects. Early in the month of October, John called me to tell me that his brother, Pete Montalvo, who was a general contractor, will be coming to church on Sunday and to wait for him. I waited for him, and when he arrived, it was close to the time in which Sunday school classes will finish and transfer to the sanctuary for the morning worship service at 11 a.m. I excused myself and went to the sanctuary while John, Louis, and Pete went into the sanctuary for the service. Unknown to me, this was Pete Montalvo's first service in a Christian church. I saw him very attentive to the whole service, including the preaching. After the service, we were formally introduced and talked about church and other things, but we never got around talking about the building business. We agreed that we will meet the following Tuesday to talk about the project. When Tuesday came, we showed him the plans. He asked questions, especially about the amount of money needed for the project, and he said that he could do it, but that the money we had most likely will not be sufficient. We needed more, he said, like a million dollars. The church agreed to sign the general contract to build with Pete and John doing all the framing. Pete came to church the following Sunday on his own. When the time came to take the permits out by November 8, he did it. To me, he sounded knowledgeable in the construction business. From November to January, 
It was a time of waiting for details before the start of building. I had been waiting since 1978, and now it is 1984, and nothing visible has been done. I asked John in the middle of January to do something visible to show the start of the project. By the first week of February, we had the groundbreaking ceremony. Construction was fast, but by August, we had used all $500,000 and were desperately trying to find finances to finish it since April or May. Everything was halted, and we didn't get a construction loan in place until January 1985, and by February, we restarted. The building was finished in early September. We added a total of 27,000 square feet of building that included office space, some 20 classrooms, kitchen facilities, dining room, and added more property to accommodate parking for 135 cars. The total cost was about $1,200,000, and from the time we began to raise funds in 1978 to the time we finished in 1985, seven years had passed. The Lord gave us this addition to the church and taught me several lessons. First, God works takes time and determination. It also takes time for some lessons to be learned. What seems to be easy, it costs the most expensive commodity of all, time. I also learned that God does answer prayer. Sometimes the players are not aware, but God can call people to do what they don't want to do and make them want to do it. But the most beautiful thing is the two families who didn't want anything to do with our church because of their faith, God turned them around to know Him personally and turned them around to become a blessing to the Christian community.